You're listening to the Manfulness Podcast, episode number 22. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. It has been a long time since I have had a moment to uh, record a new episode, so I'm glad to be back in the studio. Um, we have had a whirlwind of the start of the year and um, just recently got back from Los Angeles where, um, yeah, I got to run meditations and run shamanic sessions sessions, um, and do a lot of men's uh, coaching over there. So um, I'm pretty excited for, for me because it's uh, probably the first time I've taken what I do here in Australia uh, to another country. So it's been a really special time for me. It's been a, a, a big time of growth. Um, and there's always a little bit of nervousness, you know, because you know, I, I know Australians, I am an Australian. So uh, sometimes you're not sure whether what you're doing here will translate uh, to another country, whether men feel and think the same way like we do over here, whether people will uh, resonate with the, the work that you do. So um, it was really nice to see that, uh, you know, we, we all, we're all all the same. We all share the same um you know, insecurities and fears and worries and also hopes and dreams for our future. So uh, it, it was really nice for me to uh, to travel to L.A. I also had a, previously had a really bad impression of L.A. Uh, when I went there 16 years ago, I, you know, I was a very different person. I was just out of uni. And when I went there, I, just, I found the place to be very, you know, cold and uninviting. And um, I, I took a more of a liking to uh, New York. I just found the people better there. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, you you have these experiences, and then you you kind of make a judgment um, across a class of people, which is unfair. So, coming back to LA totally rewired that and totally changed me. Um, the people there were beautiful; they were receiving. Uh, I had a lot of fun there. Uh, we got to spend a, an extended amount of time there, so we were there for about ten days, and um, I, I really loved it. I loved everything about the place. Um, the, the weather was great, the people, the food, um, and for all the Australians out there, their coffee's good, man. They've, they've, they've definitely upgraded. You know, we're big on coffee here, but uh, there was definitely some great places we found to, to, get, this, to get a good coffee, so I was, I was very pleased. Uh, look, today I want to talk about fear, um, and as we do this recording, um, for many of you know, we are in the grips of a pandemic at the moment. The coronavirus has really just um taken over um it's taken over our our minds and our attention um and it's really cultivated uh, our uh, society at the moment of fear and panic and worry and even for the best of us who stay pretty calm and collected there is this fear of what what will the future bring um and to some respects that's warranted and to some respects some of that has been put out of proportion um, but again, we don't know what the future holds, so we don't know whether what we're doing right now is um, precautionary or whether it's over the top. So, you know, we're living in these uncertain times at the moment. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about fear because I feel like fear is adding another layer to this naturally. And I think the more that we can use this time or this opportunity again to learn and understand ourselves better. I think that's where no matter what happens in the future, we will grow and develop and learn and evolve from it. And and that's why I think these things happen for us in our lives. These challenges happen for us 
so that we can learn about ourselves and we can evolve and eventually become better people, better members of society and and create a better world for ourselves. So even right now, it seems pretty sad and dire. Um, I, I'm, I'm always trying to look towards the positive side of things um, and be optimistic. But I, I want to talk about fear and what fear does to us and what it does to our bodies and what it does to our minds. Because I think if we can understand that, then we can become more conscious and become more aware of the internal dialogue that's going on inside of us. And that internal dialogue is really colouring uh, the perception of our of our world, and it can sometimes be a stark difference between what's reality and and what these stories that we're telling ourselves. So I think for for, for me, the number one thing that you know fear brings for us is this: it changes our physiology, and I think that's what you really have to understand. That there's a massive change in physiology, and there's a massive change in brain function that when we are in fear. And if you can think about a lot of what we're experiencing now in terms of fear, you know, it really links back to our, our conditioning in our past of, you know, that fight and flight response, that survival response. And, you know, back in the days when we were maybe cavemen and women out there on the savannah, you know, uh, looking to protect ourselves, our brain is really hardwired for that survival. So if there was danger, if there was a saber-toothed tiger or something out there that was going to attack us, um, fear would be that thing that would take us away from it. It'll help us run. It'll help us fight or, or, or freeze, you know. And in most in most cases, that was a good thing. We needed that. But our world is very, very different from that sort of um, caveman world that we used to live in. And But our brain still functions very much like we are in those times. And so... It, even though our world has evolved, um, our, our, our mental responses haven't haven't differed that much. And so, as I said, when we when we move into fear mode, uh, our body instantly goes into fight or flight. It really goes into a stage of looking at things as very black and white. And, and I love Joe Dispenza's work. And if you haven't, if you're not um, fresh or know his work, I highly recommend you read his book. Um, Supernatural was phenomenal for me, um, but also breaking the habit of being yourself. And what Joe Dispenza really talks about is what happens to our bodies and our minds when we go into fear. And he basically says that once you go into that into that mode, your, your, your consciousness or your awareness becomes obsessed with three things. And those three things is your body, it's uh, the, the distance or the, the distance from you and the threat and, and, and time and space, you know. So and if that makes sense you know, living in those caveman prehistoric times. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense because if there was something that was attacking you, you would be concerned about your the well-being of your body. You would be becoming aware of the space that's around you and you would be trying to work out the distance between you and the, the thing that's um, attacking you or the threat. But if you bring those kind of three aspects into our world today where we become obsessed with our own bodies, where we're looking to get away from everything and we're looking at becoming really focused on the space around us or the people around us, it, it actually moves us into a state of, of, of selfishness because we're not able to think about other people or we're not able to think as a community, we're not able to think as a collective, we're thinking very much as an individual and what the effects will have on us. 
And while parts of that is important, we definitely need to look after ourselves. Sometimes it's not actually going to benefit us the long term, you know, and, and, and we know that we need each other. So if we're, if we're not working collectively, if we're not working as a community, eventually, and we all operate as individuals, it's actually to our detriment. We, we will actually perish. And you can see that with packs of wolves, they always work together. They, they, they um, find food together. They move together. They sleep together because we are stronger as a pack. And any wolf, you know, if you watch any of the documentaries that's left behind, it doesn't take too long for them to to die off or for survival um, to, to, to dwindle if uh, they're not part of the pack. So we're definitely stronger when we work together and we are together and we need each other. We definitely do need each other. But when we are operating from a level of fear, we can only become focused on our own selves and getting ourselves away from the danger and the space around us in order to move that. So I think it's a really good analogy about what's kind of happening right now. And we're seeing, especially here in Australia, I'm not sure about other countries, but people just buying up toilet paper, buying up pasta and oil and flour and all these kind of food items in preparation for the worst case scenario. And the crazy thing about, especially with the toilet paper debacle, is there isn't a shortage of toilet paper. There is enough for everybody. But because people have panicked, they've hoarded all of this toilet paper, which has now created the problem of a lack of toilet paper for other people. So you can see how, yes, for the individual, it seems logical for us to take as much as we need to protect ourselves. But now we've actually created a problem where there's not enough for others. And there is this whole um, panic that's going around. And people are becoming very selfish. They're becoming very hostile. There's punch-ons in the supermarket, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if we take a step back and think about the logic of all of this, even if we relate it back to the coronavirus, which is a um, is a is a, is a form of pneumonia, so it's a cough, and it's a shortness of breath. It really has nothing to do with how you're pooing at the moment. So there is no need to buy excess. Um, toilet paper. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. If there's anything that maybe we should be looking at storing up on would be more uh, fresh food items, I would think. You know what I mean? Like looking at those items which are building our immune system, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense. And all that people are doing is just following the masses. They're just following like sheep and going, well, if everyone else is buying toilet paper, then I should be buying toilet paper without taking a step back and having a look at why we're buying the toilet paper, is it really necessary and is there a threat that needs to be contained? Um, this reminds me, I don't know if any of you guys have seen that on Facebook, but it was this experiment they did where they brought a bunch of people into a doctor's office and they would sound a beep and on the beep everyone would sit up and stand up, uh, sit up and stand up and sit down. Now, it was actually put on and everybody in the room was actors and then they would bring people who didn't know and they would sit they would sit there and all of a sudden the beat would go off everyone would sit down and stand up and then everyone would sit down again and then after a while the person that was in the room that didn't know about it didn't even question why the people were doing it they just synced along they just were like oh well if everyone's doing it i should do it as well without ever questioning it and it was it was hilarious to watch but it's it actually it's, it's it's interesting to look at human behavior because we do want to be part of the pack we do want to be part of the community so much so that we will even not question 
what people are doing and why they're doing it and whether it's the best part of it to go. So it's it's a really interesting way that we behave and it, it seems to be what's been happening with this toilet paper debacle. So so that's one thing. So so when we're in this fight and flight response mode, we're not thinking about others, we're only thinking about ourselves and it puts us into a very stressful situation even, even more. The other thing I want to show you is to, uh, well, refer you to a really, really great podcast uh, called Hidden Brain. Uh, and there was an episode on there called Too Little Too Much. And in that episode, it really talks about how there was a lady, uh, uses a case study where she was, um, she lost her job and she couldn't buy uh, pampers or nappies for her children. And, you know, was really trying to, was really in stress mode. Her husband wasn't working. And so she applied for a credit card. And basically, as soon as she got the credit card, she went out there and used the entire funds to purchase nappies. And then when she came back, she was like, I've got all these nappies, um, but I don't have money for petrol or food or anything else. And she just couldn't understand why she'd made such a stupid decision. She put all that money on it. And what this podcast does is really go into the science of the brain and how it works. And it really showed that when the, when the, when the brain feels like something in its survival, something required for its survival is not available it, or it's not, uh, not there or there's a problem surrounding it, it actually can't focus its attention on anything else until that particular problem is solved. So in her case, she didn't have nappies for her babies, which was a massive survival thing for her. And she felt so much guilt, especially as a mother, not having those pampers for her children. And so she was like, I never want to be in that situation again. So again, living out of fear. And then she got this credit card, which she probably shouldn't have got. And then straight away, she purchased $1,000 on, on diapers. And she just couldn't understand why she'd made such a stupid mistake. And, and so the, the podcast really shows how the brain becomes obsessed with these things, becomes obsessed and doesn't have the capacity to think about anything else. And so that's why she made those decisions. And it's very easy for us to judge her and go, oh, well, she obviously has poor money management uh, skills. And, you know, she's probably uneducated. You know, she was, she just, she's just stupid. But it, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good example of how we've all been behaving and many of us have been behaving when it comes to these things. Our brain won't lock on to anything else. And, I, and I've seen this even with relationships, with, with people in relationships. And when they feel like they really need a relationship, it's almost the only thing that they can ever focus on. And they think that they won't be complete or they won't, won't be able to survive unless they have a relationship or unless they're with somebody. And so it's another example of how our brains lock on to this thing that we need so so much as part of our survival and we can't actually focus on anything else. So our, our brains really get skewed and our consciousness and awareness really goes into tunnel vision and we can't think and look at anything else. And again, that's the kind of the behavior we're kind of seeing right now. The, the other thing I want to talk about here is also being in this fear state really lowers our immune system, which is quite hilarious because, you know, we're, we're all concerned about this, uh, virus which will uh you know take us down and our best response to any viral infection or bacterial infection is dependent on the strength of our immune system and you know whether the reports are true or not but what we're seeing is that a majority of the people that have been affected by this virus have already been um uh, they have their immune systems compromised and so they're more susceptible to this virus so 
amongst other precautions, that one of the best things that we can do is lift our immune system to make sure that it is working and functioning properly. Even right now, those people that are getting it are recovering, and that's and that's usually healthy people. So being in a fear state is actually going to lower your immune system. And I refer you to um, a book called um, Biology um, Biology of Belief or Belief of Biology uh, by Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's so good. I love him. He he really looks at again going back to some really fundamental science and, and cells and and showing how when cells were put in a petri dish and it would move closer to things that were good for it so you know um, organic vitamin c or nutrients and it would move away from anything which was poisonous to it and so fear can work in the very same way it, it really lowers our immune system and actually um, upsets our biology and so already being in that fear state being a state of anxiety all the time continuously is lowering our immune system and making us more susceptible to uh, disease. Now, it's I, I get it. So then why do we have fear? Well, well, fear is good for the moment. Like I said, if we go back to that caveman mentality or the caveman world, it's good to get us out of, of really stressful situations that are real in the moment. And if you look at a gazelle, it knows that a tiger is about to attack it or, or, or some sort of predator, and it runs, and then it return, and its heart's beating, and adrenaline's pumped, and off it goes, and then it returns back to a homeostasis as soon as it feels that it's out of fear. But unfortunately, humans don't do that. We then go into it, oh, but what about if it happens again, and what if everybody gets sick, and what if, 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 and the what ifs will drive us into such a fear state that we can never get out of it. And so our body... Our body is constantly producing these hormones of uh, cortisol and, and 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 adrenaline, and it's preparing us to constantly be on the lookout. And so this can overstimulate ourselves, it lowers our immune system, and makes us weak. And the thing that you need to understand is that the body doesn't know the difference, or the or the eyes don't know the difference between something that you're imagining, so a what if, and what's reality. So you could imagine these scenarios and your body from a physiological point of view is experiencing all of these as if it was real. And so this, this is having a massive load on our system. And so then if there was something that was real that was happening in the environment or you were exposed to, say, a virus or, or, or a disease, your immune system now is already compromised, so you have less a chance of fighting it and surviving from it than if you were out of that fear state and you were trying to be... Uh, um, um, focused and um, and upbeat and not allowing those what-ifs to compromise you. So we can already see that fear has a real um, control over us. And while there is a purpose for it to get us away from anything that's going to harm us, it's not a state that we want to stay into. It stops us from thinking properly. It's, it actually lowers our immune system. We become obsessed with fixing the thing, the problem that's that's related up to a survival. So not really acting like a human being that's conscious, that's aware, and that is working for the community. Um, and as I said before, it turns off our problem-solving brains. So that 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 um, prefrontal cortex, where our problem solving comes from, for where higher brain function comes on, it starts to shut off. You know, we're not thinking about what's the solution, what's the best solution. We're just thinking about ourselves and how we can move ourselves away from the threat. And so, I I, I want to show you these aspects of fear because I think if we can, as a as a individual, really address 
what's triggering our fears and 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 what's really making us fearful and taking a moment to find how we can individually get back to a place of alignment and of peace and of stillness and allowing ourselves to get back there, then we're going to be able to find what is the best solution, what's the best options for us as an individual, but also as a community. And remember that what's good for the community will also be good for the individual. But if we're all acting really, really selfish and only thinking of ourselves, it's going to be more detrimental to all of us in the long term. So fear, I, I just wanted you really to look at that, look at fear and, and look at the steps that you can take to really bring yourself back to alignment. Now, for me, that would be a practice of meditation. Meditation is such a great way for you to come in and to manage your mind and manage your thoughts, allowing your body to actually come back and lift its immune system and to get out of fear and to really become focused into the present moment without going too far ahead into all these different um, um realities or different what ifs that could be for us so meditation i think is great the other thing i can th you think you can do from a biological standpoint is boost your immune system so eat really healthy foods eat eat, eat vegetables and uh you know green items green green food items and green vegetables um um, take vitamin C and supplements. Like that's it's like there's there's research showing that vitamin C is probably one of the greatest antioxidants that we can take at this time. And it's not to say that you taking these things you're not going to get um, a virus. It's just it's just going to help your immune system be more robust and stronger, so that if you are around it, you'll be able to fight it off. And if it is in the environment, you, there's less likely a chance that you might get it. So these are just steps that we can take. Um, I'm all about taking the precautionary steps. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, and I, and I want to make that really clear. I'm not saying that we should um, discount what's going on, that we should not be worried about what's going on. My, 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 my message is let's not get into a state of so much fear and panic that we actually detriment ourselves and others. But pre precautionary steps, absolutely, let's take them. You know, wash our hands. Um, at the moment here in Australia and I think around the world, they're canceling a lot of larger uh, scale gatherings. Okay, that's great. So we'll stop the spread of this. Um, if you're not feeling well, if you've, if you've got flu-like symptoms and you're not sure, just quarantine yourself. Stay home. Absolutely. I think these steps are, are needed and make sense. I think it's everything else, you know, hoarding up on toilet paper, taking all the pasta and not leaving enough for the rest of, of the community. I think that's where we take it a little bit too far. So um, things that you can do, practice meditation, um, build your immune system, um, really. And, and, and I think this is where Byron Katie, for those that don't know Byron Katie book, Loving What Is, is a, is a great resource to really have a look at your thoughts and um, try to find out what is actually true right now. Like what do we know for sure? Um, that's a great book for me, for, 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 I recommend to all my clients. Um, she asked basically the four questions. Is it true? Is it absolutely true? Who are you being in this moment and who would you be without it? It is, which is basically a simple, simplified version of it, but it's, it's a great thing for us to constantly be questioning. Like, what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? Right in this moment, how are we reacting? Becoming really conscious and aware of the things that we're thinking about and the way that we're showing up, the way that we're feeling and starting to take a little bit more control over those things. And those are the things we can control. Yeah, we can control our thoughts and we can control the way that we feel. A lot of these things in our environment right now, we can't control. You know, we can't control all aspects of this. We don't know what, what the future will bring. We're living in a state of uncertainty. But the best thing that we can do right now is manage our mind, manage our emotions, try to find what's reality and what's a story, and then 
trying to work from a level of compassion and love so that we can work together as a community and help those that really need it and not to hoard and be selfish and be cruel to one another. So that's my take, guys, on where we're at right now. I'm sitting here with um, a positive mindset. I'm really trying to put out there into the universe, into the greater world, a, a, a prayer for well-being and healing for all. I'm really putting out an energy for um, for calm and clarity and proper thinking and well-being and uh, us working together as a community. Um, and so I invite you to do the same because, again, if we do that collectively, we can change our world. We need to look after those that are sick. We need to look after those who are a potential risk to this virus. But I believe that if we come together as a unified world, that we can overcome anything. We just need to really check ourselves and learn from what we're going through right now and not just follow and um, fall into the hype of all of this. So I, I wish you well. I wish you health. Uh, take care of your families. Let's take care of each other. And hopefully we will navigate um, ourselves through these, these times.